Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, welcome and let me explain. It's actually very, very simple. Either me or my guest, or sometimes both of us, have experienced something for the first time. We're going to talk about it. No surprise, it's a movie and it's another first time for me, one that's been on my watch list forever. But my guest is someone that you might be familiar with. He's been on this show. He's um, on the weekly Attack of the Killer podcast with me. He's a writer, fellow podcaster, an old friend. Welcome Andy Wasson back to the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you again for having me. I'm I'm very excited to hear what you think about the film that we're going to cover because it is it was a staple of my childhood and I absolutely adore this film. Well, yeah, I guess um we don't even have to beat around the bush because people clicked on it. Let's just uh get right into the movie actually. We're going to talk tonight about The Running Man. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark. I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Because they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. The Running Man was released November 13th, 1987, which was the day before I turned two. Um, written by <laughs> Stephen King under the surname of Richard Bachman, and the screenplay was written by Stephen E. D'Souza. Now, Stephen, his resume, when I looked it up on IMDb, is like a mile long. He did. Uh, he wrote for Gemini Man, The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, um, Hardy Boys, Knight Rider, 48 Hours, Commando, Die Hard, The Flintstones, not the good one, the 90s one, um, with, with Kyle MacLachlan and Rosie O'Donnell, um, Street Fighter, Judge Dredd, amongst a ton of others, uh, directed by Paul Michael Glazer, who um, you might know as Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. That's right. Uh, has a body count of 41. Shout out to the Brett and Tony guys. Uh, th- I figured they would appreciate the, the high body count on this one. Uh, our cast is Arnold Schwarzenegger as Ben Richards, Maria Conchita Alonso as Amber Mendez, um, Yafit Kato as William Lachlan, uh, Marvin J. McIntyre as Harold Weiss, Richard Dawson as Damon Killian, Erlen Von Leith as Dynamo, Jim Brown as Fireball, and yes, is that Jim Brown, um, Gus Rethwish as Buzzsaw, Professor Toro Ta- Ta- Tanaka as Sub-Zero, Mick Fleetwood, yes, that Mick Fleetwood, as Mick, <laughs> um, Dweezil Zappa, yes, that Dweezil Zappa, as Stevie, yeah. and Jesse 
Ventura, yes, that Jesse, the body Ventura as Captain Freedom. Andy, what in the hell, man? Um, how have I never seen this? I mean, I've, I consider <sighs> myself an Arnold fan and a Stephen King fan, and this has somehow gotten past me so many times. And I, I don't remember if this one got brought up during the canon episode somehow or at some point recently when we were ch- talking know. movies, it got brought up and I was like, I need to remedy that. I need to watch it as soon as I can. Um, so what's your history with this one? Um, well, you're looking at 1987. So, I mean, chances are, you know, I probably saw it when I was around eight because it usually took about a year for theatrical release films back then to either make it to VHS or or HBO. So this was like a great time for me because I was either watching like one or three movies. It was either like RoboCop, The Running Man, or Predator. <laughs> so um uh that's probably when I can only assume is when when I first saw it and I just I fell in love with it the first time I saw it, you know. You know, w- watching it now, I mean, the puns are just so, so cheesy. But, I mean, when you're eight years old, you think they're great. But now it's just like you've got, like, Forrest J. Ackerman, you know, juiced up on steroids, making all these puns after he kills people. But, um, yeah, that that would probably be the first time that, that I saw it. And just as an impressionable, you know, eight-year-old kid, I just thought it was the great, you know, I mean, who didn't want to be Arnold when when they were a kid doing all this stuff? Yeah, it's I mean, like I said, I I'm almost it's it's just it's it like blows my mind that I somehow I've known I've seen, you know, photos of Arnold in this like tracksuit. I've the the, the, the (laughs) one thing watching this, like uh, hearing the one liners, I'm like, that's where that one came. from. That's where that one came from. And holy shit, like. 80% 80% of his one liners that are uh, that are used on, you know, sound clips and sound boards and whatever are from yeah. this movie. It's like this this movie is his his dialogue. I mean, of course Commando's just as bad, but it's like he yeah. doesn't have like real dialogue. It's all just like one pun or one liner after <laughs> exactly. he does something. And it it makes sense yeah. because this is written by Steven De Souza who also wrote Commando. Um so, you know, I can see the uh parallels there. Oh, oh, ab- absolutely. It, it's definitely a a product of its time. You can, it's, you know, you know that it's an, an 80s action movie, but, you know, and I was thinking about this when I was watching it. It's so remakeable, you know? I mean, they could easily remake this, you know, for, for modern time, you know? I mean, also when I was watching it, I feel like this could be like, um in the purge universe, like something like this could would exist like before they like legalize the purge, you know, to, um, uh, satisfy like humanity's weird bloodlust, you know, only it would, you know, it w it wouldn't work because it would be, you know, our in our insatiable, you know, you know, hunger for blood, you know, wouldn't you know be able to just take the running man we would need the purge because you know we as a society kind of suck but um 
yeah, yeah. This it's definitely it's it's definitely a product of its of its time, but it feels like it's almost ahead of its time as well. Right. So if if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, um, somehow I, I'm probably the last person to finally see this, <laughs> but if, uh, we will be spoiling things. And I guess we should go over the basic premise of the story, which is is actually very simple. So it starts off. I mean, this is set in the future of 2017. Um, Obviously, we're recording this in 2022, but I imagine in the 80s, this was actually pretty cool uh, to think, you know, man, the mm-hmm. year of 2017. But Arnold is some kind of like military veteran. He or, or soldier, he refuses to drop bombs on innocent, this group of innocent like children and women. Um, so they put him in a prison, this sort of this futuristic prison. Um, him and his fellow inmates stage, and this is all within like the first 10 minutes, they stage an yeah. elaborate breakout, which is a big, op- you know, there's two big opening action scenes, but this is the sort of big one with, with you know, people getting mowed over with machine guns and explosions and fire, uh, you know, and, and right as he gets out, they capture him and basically put him into what is called the running man. Um which sort of brings us to our main story. The Running Man is the world's most popular television show at the time in 2017. Um, a modern sort of modern day gladiator type thing where they put these uh, poor people into a game show for, for entertainment and they have to try to survive with these sort of um, Mad Max-like characters uh, coming at them in this obstacle course um, it's basically set up for these people to lose and and like you said society yeah it, it's very um like you said ahead of its time where it's like yeah we're i could see this succeeding we watch you know uh wipe out and different tv shows you know, game of games or whatever there, there's game shows oh, every yeah. every night on network tv where people are getting hurt and we love it like um, ninja challenge or whatever yeah they, you know they're skipping across yeah, and so of course, as you would guess, you throw Arnold into this game, who goes by uh, Ben Richards, um, and he is Arnold. So there's, you know, it's it's you, you sort of go into it. I've never seen this, and I, I was like, there's no way, you know, Arnold's even going to get hurt in this. Um, he, he figures out how not only how to survive, but he ends up basically mowing through all their bad guys. And to the point where the audience sort of turns on the television show and they're cheering him on mm-hmm. um, and our evils host played by uh, Richard Dawson, which is awesome. Um, he, yeah. he, he uses a true game show host, a, a true game show host. And it's so funny because uh, again, ahead of its time, he uses like deep fake technology to basically like fake Arnold CGI him into footage where he's getting, <laughs> yeah. getting killed by Jesse Ventura. And it backfires as there's like an allegiance, this other group that breaks him out and, uh, you know, tries to save the day and they get him out. And of course, it has a a much happier ending than Arnold actually dying. But uh, I mean, it's it's not something I don't know if at the time it was like, I don't know if this is the first time this has been done. But you mentioned like the purge. There's, you know, even when I was watching this, I was like, what does this remind me of? So it reminds me of Die Hard, where the the normal everyday guy that we're supposed to believe, you know, has uh, a zero percent chance of surviving gets thrown into the situation. Underdog sort of story. Right. Yeah. And he mows through these people. Of course, I find uh, 
Bruce Willis in, in the 80s much more believable than Arnold in this situation. Oh, I mean, oh, well, yeah, you, you throw Arnold into any of these situations like you look at that guy and of course he'd be great for television like like Dawson's character. Uh, Killian says like this guy is made for television, just his biceps or his arm yeah yeah Yeah, i can get 10 points like nielsen points for his arms alone or something like that yeah yeah so he's built like an action figure and of course it ends up backfiring but um you know it's just it's really cool like to look back on how the films in the past thought the future would be you know you look at this compared to like back to the future or any of this kind escape of stuff from New York, you know? Yeah, exactly. It has more of escape from New York feel where, uh, it's mm-hmm. more it's, apocalyptic. It's dystopian. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is with, you know, Arnold's character, he's very, he's a very reluctant hero as well, because the people that he's with, they're very, uh, they're, they're revolutionaries because, um, they're trying to tell, you know, the public, the truth, you know, about you know how the government and how it's connected to this television show is basically lying to America, and he's just like I don't care about the satellite uplink and telling people the truth. He's all about it for self preservation. But then you know once he realizes that his friends are, you know they're they're sacrificing this for the greater good and they're willing to die for what they believe in, and and he's he's very reluctant about it but you know and then his uh his his friend his only friends left that are dying so he he decides to go through through with it and then basically get the satellite uplink you know and tell these people the truth and all of a sudden you see you know uh these this people watching the television show and taking bets you know that's another thing that they do uh, down like in the the lower class they're taking bets on which stalker is gonna draw first blood or who's gonna die which you know runner is gonna die first you know i mean these these people are very very bloodthirsty but they uh arnold and with the help of amber mendez the the chick who turned him in who they also throw into this show by the way so yeah these these people do anything for ratings anything to see bloodshed and killian is like the worst one of them all but uh yeah i don't know where i was where i was going with this but uh i guess i'm just describing it but uh yeah it's 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 a very very uh you know it's a very different character of you usually suspect Arnold to be, I mean, eventually he, he gets, you know, he gets to be, you know, the same archetype character, you know, kill the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. But he's actually very reluctant about the whole revolutionary thing. He's usually, he's more about self-preservation to in the beginning. Right. He, he starts as sort of a survivor and just trying to get out of this thing alive. And, there are several other guys that are there stuck in there with him. Um, I think is it uh, William and, and Harold, um, but they're sort of not quite, you know, obviously not quite as um, inept and, and like survivalist as Arnold is not. Obviously no one is built like Arnold besides Jesse well, Ventura, but uh, you know, they, they have their own sort of set of skills and there's even some cool yeah, stuff. One like, of them's like a, yeah, one of them is a teacher and the other one's like uh like a hacker or something, you know. I mean, these guys yeah. aren't meant 
to, you know, go out and get, you know, survive against guys with flamethrowers and chainsaws and electricity coming out of their hands. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, they're not built for that. Right. And uh, it's it, there's a there's a part that's really sort of uh, was sort of cool where there's like the, the bad guys they throw in here. Um, is there? Oh, yeah. They're a, great characters. Yeah. They're, they're all sort of like pro wrestler type or American gladiator yeah. type characters. Uh, yeah. they, they all have like a specific weapon or something they use. There's one that was like a hockey player and he, and he hits uh, the sort of teacher into like a net that closes in on him, like a cage, like a trap. Yeah. It's, it's almost kind of silly, but it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, uh, professor Toru Tanaka, not an actual professor, but uh, it was his wrestling name and it just kind of stuck, you know, going into his acting career. He was actually, I believe, Mr. Fuji's tag team partner back in the seventies. Okay. That makes sense. And I had read that, um, there's a part, I didn't, I didn't catch it in the movie. They call him like professor sub zero. Um, yeah. Sub zero. Yeah. But they actually use professor before it sub zero oh. at some point. I don't know if it was a slip or just sort of a nod to his, uh, his okay. pro wrestling character, but you know, of course, Jesse, a lot of people, might recognize Jesse Ventura from his um, and, and funny enough, him and Arnold, you know, later got into politics, but people uh, younger people might not uh, realize, you know, how big of a name Jesse was Jesse Ventura, the body in, re- in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this is sort of fun. Like Jim Brown was a pro football player who played fireball. Yep. Um, so, so like these guys are sort of have a background and, and again, Richard Dawson as a game show host, they're, they're not much of a stretch. Like, cool casting but um it's almost like easy casting like who should we get to play these uh big macho killer guys how about some pro football players and pro wrestlers sounds (laughs) sounds good well yeah and you've you've got you know even yafet uh kato um hopefully i'm saying that right god rest his soul but he was uh, a heavy in Live and Let Die. He was the bad guy in uh, the James Bond movie Live and Let Die. And one of the more interesting characters that I think is um, Dynamo, played by Erland Van Lith. And and reading up on him, I mean, he's he's huge for starters. I think he's the biggest out of all the guys that they got. And none of the guys are small. This guy was 6'6". And... He's a and when in his first um, introduction, he's singing opera, and that is actually legitimately him singing. Yeah, I I imagine like in this kind of thing, looking at the casting, they were sort of like, well, if if they have like a special talent, we should use it in this movie. Where you know, I think there's a point where even uh, Jim Brown as Fireball, they sort of say something about like the best linebacker or running back or something. Um, um, I, I guess I didn't catch that. Yeah, they even make like a reference to him being like a, a the like a fastest football player or something. So they're sort of like, you know, playing up on their real life talent. But that's cool. Like, you know, it's like you can sing. Well, let's have you do that, because one thing we didn't mention is the like part of this television show. You know, you in your mind, if you haven't seen it, you might be thinking like dystopian um, people getting killed, all this stuff. But they make it up. So it's like supposed to be fun. There's dancers, uh, like choreography. <laughs> yeah. It's it's flashy. They have old ladies in the crowd that Richard Dawson is wooing. He's like going over and flirting with them and they're kissing his cheek. Just like when he's hosting family feud, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a whole show. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, and it's, it's scary in the sense that like, 
we're like two steps away from this at this point, you know, um, it's very, yeah. very believable. And of course, like another parallel I saw instantly while watching this was like, and this was 87 and like the early nineties American gladiators came about and it was like a, let's take a school teacher, throw him in and let these muscled steroid heads. Yeah. Right. Like shoot tennis balls at, at their face. <laughs> It was like as close as they could legally do this show on television, you know. And um, I know that there was another movie, and I know I I bought it because it was off of uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and I think it actually either premiered the same month or maybe even the same week as The Running Man, and it's called Death Row Game Show. Wow. And it's and it's a it's a comedy. And it's and it's cheesy as hell, but I mean it's literally the same premise. It's these um, they can um, these convicted criminals um, they can go onto the Running Man. Uh, I mean this Death Row game show or the Running Man, whatever. <laughs> um, basically the same thing, and they have a chance to you know gain their freedom and you know gain money and you know basically. Uh, their their record is wiped clean, and but they have to go through all these really cheesy and dangerous, you know, uh, situations like stick their head in a guillotine and and shit like that. You know, if they and if they answer a question wrong, you know, you know, down comes the guillotine and you die anyway. But yeah, it, it was weird that um, those these two movies um, came out at the same time, and I don't know if there was, <laughs> there was a lawsuit or whatever, but two completely um, different tones, but literally the same storyline. Yeah, when I was doing a little bit of reading after watching this, I think I saw reference to that, like someone uh maybe the writer of that like tried to sue and they probably settled out of court or something for a you know yeah. they, they paid them to be quiet basically but uh that'd be interesting to see the parallels because like i said i mean it, even you know there's um elements of saw here uh mm. i just watched seven and it's not quite seven like but it's like you know we put these people in these these situations um and I mean, even a little bit of idiocracy where, you know, I could see like they, they throw um, Luke Wilson into, you know, with the monster truck in the arena and that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, I could definitely, you know, it's like that's a more humorous look at it. But, um, you know, this is a it's like what the gladiators did, you know, throw them in there and, and yeah, like, fight to the death. And we and people, you know, cheer to watch people die. It's, yeah, it's that mob mentality, you know, and nobody really has any empathy in this movie whatsoever no and and it's it's just the tone of it so like you said interesting because they it, when it's on television uh killian is very much trying to make it like f fun and flashy and behind the scenes you know he's a hothead lunatic who's um oh, yeah. hungry for power he, he's drunk on power uh, even to the Absolutely. point where he's like screaming at uh, at Jesse Ventura. And I'm like, I wouldn't fucking scream at that guy out of anybody in the room. I'd probably scream at Arnold before exactly. Jesse Ventura. He's a lunatic. But uh, <laughs> it's just it, it's it's very cool to see, like, even in 87 that they had this idea of like it wouldn't just be a, a dark, dreary show. It would be lights and camera and, and that, you know, the people would just love it. It's very um, 
like 1984 or something. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, I've said it's been done a few other times. I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised there hasn't just been a full on running man reboot um, because everything right. Stephen King right now is very hot. Again, the rebooting Firestarter, and they're doing everything else. Uh, and it and whatnot. Right. And he, he wrote this under Richard Bachman, which is interesting. Yeah. Do, do you know any history on that? Um, B- Bachman was uh, kind of he, he. There was more in his earlier career. I actually, and I'm regretting it to this day because I had these uh, collection of novellas. They were they were called the Bachman books, and there was uh, there was three stories in in these Bachman books, and one was uh, of course the Running Man. The other one was called the Long Walk, and the other one was called Rage. Now, um, Rage is the story that Stephen King wishes he never wrote and never published because um, it was said to be a partial inspiration for the Columbine killers. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because it involves the student. And I've read it and it's, you know, it's a it's a horror story. It's disturbing. But it's basically this student and it only takes place in one classroom. And he basically, you know, holds up, you know, the classroom with with a gun. And I believe a teacher dies and, and, you know, uh, you know, a couple of students die. But I mean, Harris and Klebold or Rolled Gold, whatever those what a dickhead's name was. Not that it matters because he doesn't. But they they really liked that story. And it was the running man was in this collection of Bachman books. And he's only really to the best of my knowledge has used the Bachman pin name for two other ones aside, aside from running man rage and uh, the long walk. And that was the regulators and another, uh, another one that got made into a movie. He also wrote the book thinner under Bachman. Really? Yeah. Well, I, what did was the long walk ever adapted into anything? Uh, yeah, it was called the Lord of the Rings. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the long walk. No, it wasn't. But it's actually a really cool story. And it almost could be to take place in this running man universe. Because the long walk is basically another, you know, competition based thing. But it's it's. I think it was just teenage boys and it's under this it's in this society that's under military rule. Basically you get um, it's a 24 or 40, I think it's a 24 hour walk. And here, here's the deal. The, the situation is you have to walk and you have to keep a certain speed and you get three warnings. And I mean, I think there's like, probably 200 kids or something, something along those lines. Right. And the, the walk is all mop, uh, marked out for you. You have, you, you get a belt with water and like crackers and just stuff that you can survive 24 hours on. Mm-hmm. So you have to walk a certain speed and you have to maintain that speed. If you, you know, you, you only get three warnings and basically you use up your third warning on the other side of the road 
is these um, military officers, you know, driving right beside you in this Jeep, you know, regulating your speed, watching you, you know, taking down how many times your warnings are. And mounted to this Jeep is an M60 machine gun. And if you get three failures, they mow you down. Mm. And it's all, I believe it's all broadcast as well. Okay. So and you just have to keep walking. Yeah. More, that's more like the hunt, like the, the more recent, the movie, the hunt probably. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see that a little bit. You know, I, I was thinking of like other movies that are similar to this, that sort of exist in that. And it's like the hunger games have a little bit of that uh, battle Royale, mm. of course, the hunt and then oh, the, yeah. the purge. Um, they all sort of, I think, take i don't know if they're necessarily taking from this story if there was something before this or not but it's definitely they they sort of share a lot of similarities and uh what do you know if this was a short story that he wrote or was it a full it was it was shorter um but short for stephen king you're gonna have yeah yeah you're talking like maybe 150 200 pages maybe something like that okay when normally when his his shit's like 450 500 and that's like a regular you know Stephen King length but um actually the shortest i believe was lawnmower man but that's another story um this this was this was fairly short but basically the only similarities to the original running man that this has is that there's a network there's a guy named Ben Richards and there's Killian and that's literally the only thing and and the premise of the show because you know Ben was I don't know what Ben was convicted for in the book but I I know that there's no there's no fireball there's no buzzsaw you know there's no dynamo there's nothing like that in, in the book I mean, they, they have stalkers, but they do not go into big detail. It's just guys chasing him, you know, because he's running. Wink, wink. Right. Um, and I can spoil the end of the book if you want to hear that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be reading it anytime soon. <laughs> well, um, to the best of my knowledge, and if I can remember correctly, um, it has a it almost has like a they live kind of ending to it because. um Basically, I think Ben hijacks a plane because I think they, they kept the premise of him being sort of a pilot. Um, and he crashes a plane into the network building in order to, you know, just shut the whole game show down. I mean, he, he kind of kamikazes. Yeah, sacrifices himself to uh, for the greater good, yeah. which I think there's a point where maybe it's his death is like the I think the teacher, he does something like that, too, where he's like, you know. If I'm thinking right in this movie, I don't remember how he died, but it was like Buzzsaw gets him. Yeah, it was like, uh, you know, ends up sacrificing himself basically to and he almost sacrificed himself to like uh, the the hacker guy to hack the prison code to to put down the, you know, futuristic guards or whatever they were around the uh, perimeter. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there's also like a. A love story in here too uh you, you briefly mm-hmm. mentioned which i'm guessing is not at all in the uh original story but it's the uh i don't think she's yeah in there at all yeah the amber uh mendez character like you said she he sort of uh almost kidnaps her and uses her to try to get through to a flight and he's dressed in like a 
Hawaiian getup and classic Arnold. Yeah. Like, like no one's good. Like he, like he needs to stand out anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and of course she snitches on him and gets him caught, but then she's, you know, she recognizes him. He's wanted for, for what the government is saying a, like a war crime. They're, they're basically turned it around and said that he was the one that bombed them when he realistically yeah. is in trouble because he refused to, and they had to like Absolutely. take him out. Um, and then she realizes while watching the television when he's wanted from escaping from that um, that situation that, oh, they're, the government is lying and he was telling the truth about the government. Uh, so she's sort of from the inside. She, she works at this place at the TV network. She and is very they live in that way where, um, mm-hmm. you know, Roddy kidnaps. Um, what's her name? Meg Foster, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And same sort of thing, you know, Nada kidnaps her and she's she thinks he's a lunatic. And then, you know, she realizes that he's telling the truth, of course, very different ending in that movie. But um, a lot of parallels Mm -hmm. there, too, where it's like, you know, they're broadcasting out to a lie, basically, and manipulating people. And, uh, you know, I could I could definitely see uh, some parallels there, too. It's just sort of in that genre where it's sort of horror but not it has horrific things but i would yeah. say it's more of an action movie i don't know yeah yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a dark action movie you know because everything with this ics network and and the government that's tied to it is they they censor and they alter everything to fit the narrative that they want to portray you know like you said like uh, during the airport, you know, when Richards is apprehended on the run, you know, he said he killed like three people and, you know, he shot everybody at point blank range when he didn't, all he did was run. He just, he didn't do anything. And, you know, this Amber Mendez, um, starts to realize that, you know, Hey, there's, there's, that's, that's not what happened, you know, and everything is, is censored and, you know, and they want you to believe this and they want you to believe that. Like, for instance, they portray these three um, former contestants on The Running Man, uh, uh, Whitman, Price, and Hadot, mm-hmm. and they show them, you know, basking under the Maui sun, I believe is the line, you know, and they're, yeah. you know... Their debts to the society's paid in full. Well, we find out later in the in the film that you know they were murdered. You know, nobody survives this game show. Nobody, um, even if they make it look like they did. Uh, so everything that they say is a lie, which is basically why our revolutionaries, you know, played by you know, I think. Um, Oh, what, what, what Mick Fleetwood? Uh, well, Mick Fleetwood and Dweezil Zappa. I mean, they're they're the headwood head guys, but like uh, Laughlin and uh, and Weiss. I oh believe. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and they're part of these revolutions, and you know, they just basically say we're we're tired of you know being lied to, you know, and which, uh. You know, that's that's what leads, you know, that's like that's kind of like our our B story, you know, go, you know, as opposed to, you know, the actual, you know, running man show that we're that we're watching and, you know, along for the ride with. Right. Yeah, we, we see behind the curtain. So we see that there's more to it than just like 
bloodshed. They're manipulating their audience, which, you know, mm-hmm. is again, very relevant now where I feel like our country is very split because of a lot of mainstream and I, I don't want to get too conspiracy theory, but you know, we have, <laughs> we have mainstream news stations that clearly lean left or right and trying to oh, pin, yeah. pin one side against the other. And, uh, it's, it's like the truth is somewhere in between, but it's, it's crazy to think like, like the scene where they digitally put, um, Ben Richards on top of like a body double. It's to make it yeah. look like, you know, captain freedom took him out. It's just like, holy shit, someone thought of that in 87 and we're just now getting the technology. I mean, I think they said the first time I I was reading the first time they ever did that was in Jurassic Park when like one of the kids had couldn't do a stunt. So they digitally put like, oh, wow, the girl or I don't remember who one of the characters over, you know, like a small stunt double or something. But obviously it wasn't done to this level. But now we're we're dealing with like deep fakes where people can put the president on top of, you know, someone saying something horrific and some really gullible or older people will watch it and think it's real. And suddenly it's getting passed around and it's very, you know, it's, it's like, holy shit, this is very, very relevant to what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you tell the lie enough times, you know, and then, you know, perception is reality. You know, you, you hear it so much and then people start to believe it. Um, and that's that's basically what this network does but you know i get i get a kick out of like all the the little stuff that this network does you know they have a they have another game show called climbing for dollars which is basically <laughs> you know these these stacks of um i guess hundreds of hundred dollar bills i suppose it's like a thousand dollars you know for each level you go up you know and you've got like dogs attacking this guy like it's the craziest <laughs> the craziest damn stuff you know i want to see that movie exactly yeah climbing climbing for dollars um then you know another thing that just blows my mind about this movie that's just like uh, which makes me just have zero trust in in some of our heroes i mean for instance how dumb do you have to be to keep pumping $6 worth of change into a soda machine when it's constantly <laughs> ripping you off and you just keep doing I'm not that damn thirsty, dude. But I digress. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen I've been to airports. I've seen people do some really dumb shit. You know, I mean, <laughs> you go out in public long enough, you're bound to see something, you know, mm. people almost out of spite, you know, oh, I've already put this much in. I've got to get it. Yeah. But uh yeah, the little commercials they have during the show um, in the behind the scenes and, and the dancing and making it look like it's super fun. It's just it, it's it's just so cool to think like in 87 that people had the frame of mind to be like, you know, obviously it's not exactly like we, we didn't have Running Man in 2017, but just hitting on so many of these points of how our society will be in the future is is a little bit uh, scary and disheartening at times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and you know, and this is, I mean, I guess you'd call it a satire a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's spooky that there's, you know, there's a few parallels with this movie. And like you said, what's, what's kind of going on now. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's unnerving. 
Yeah, and it's directed by Starsky from Starsky and Hutch, which is what, <laughs> exactly. When I, well, when I, I was looking on IMDb and I was like, Paul Michael Glazer, I've heard that. And I clicked on his IMDb, you know, you go down the wormhole on IMDb and it said best known for Starsky and Hutch. And I clicked on it. I'm like, oh, he must have directed some episodes. And it's like, oh, no, he played Starsky. Oh, OK. And I, I'm not familiar with that show enough, but like, no, you know, seeing that I was like, oh, and then, like I said, looking through Stephen D'Souza's like humongous list of stuff he's done it makes sense i mean gemini man the six million dollar man the bionic woman all that stuff it's knight riders futuristic uh and then of course commando and die hard are you know you, it, this is almost like a mashup of all the, the commando and die hard he has the underdog aspect of die hard with the big macho yeah. arnold commando ripping through everybody and then to, oh he did yeah and it did street fighter the uh the video game adaptation and ended up doing the original judge dread so it's like this guy was uh, writing some cool shit. You know, he, he took that short little uh, Stephen King story and, and made something out of it. it. I've never I couldn't really find anything much about like if Stephen King had commented on this one. Do you know his perception at all? Um, No, I've never actually heard him say anything about it. Um, I'm looking through a few facts now. You said, how, you know, how the show had dancers. Paula Abdul was the film's choreographer, and a lot of the dancers were friends of hers from the Laker Girls. So those are Laker Girls dancing up there. Oh, yeah. I have that in some of the, the trivia. I have uh, there, there's oh, a lot sorry. of no, no, I have a lot of trivia coming up on, on uh, the second half of the show. And uh, there's all kinds of, of, of uh, really crazy facts about this one. But um, we can take a quick break to hear from the Prescribed Film Podcast Network and come back with some of that trivia. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to one of these shows on the Prescribed Film Podcast Network, um, Unsung Heroes, which is hosted by Erica and Lance. Uh, they review underseen horror movies with less than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. So like most of their movies are going to be first time for like everybody. I mean, if, if less than 1,000 people have seen it on Letterboxd, these movies are like really deep in the uh the horror horror uh catalogs like stuff that probably is not even available in most places so i i highly recommend you check that show out uh check out all the shows on the prescribed film podcast network and then we'll be right back with some trivia you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Now, as I always tell people, take all this uh, trivia with a grain of salt because who knows where it's coming from. But one thing I forgot to mention um, before the break was that in I think it was like 2016 or 2017 at Halloween Horror Nights, um, which is an event at Universal Studios in Orlando. They basically turned the park into like a big Halloween party. They have like 10 haunted houses. And um, that year they had one called Run. And a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, this is an obvious nod to The Running Man. And I had not seen it. And I was like, OK, this is a really cool house, but I don't get the reference. And then looking back after I've seen it now, 
um, this haunted house was basically you going through running man. Uh, it was like, oh, man. yeah, it was right. like it, they had big light up signs and a, a host that, that would be at the entrance of the house with a big megaphone sort of like announcing you coming in. And, you know, you'd pass through and there would be guys with giant uh, buzz saws as hands. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was very, very uh, like thinking back. I'd love to go back through it or find I'll probably find a video on YouTube of it. But it's clearly they inspired it on this without like getting the licensing for it. Um, just just a lot of yeah. um, artistic uh, leeway on that. But um, really, really cool. And now that I've seen this movie, I can appreciate it. But uh when Rob Cohen purchased the rights to Richard Bachman's novella, The Running Man, he had no idea that Bachman was actually a pseudonym for Stephen King. So he purchased the rights before even knowing that this was a Stephen King book, which is pretty funny. Yeah, he didn't even know. And then obviously found out later. I, I, I don't think they even used and probably couldn't, you know, obviously because he went under a different name, but it's like, Almost yeah. everything Stephen King now, like if, if it's an adaptation, it's like Stephen King's it's Stephen King's Firestarter. You know, they, they really push that name out there. So people will uh, go see it just based on his name alone. Yeah. Uh, when Arnold Schwarzenegger ran for governor, he rode around in a campaign bus and named it after this film, which is uh, The Running Man, which is pretty cool. Well, he's running for governor. Yeah. yeah. I just like that. He's embracing it. That's really cool. You know, absolutely. Arnold's been always has uh, always been sort of that dude. Like, you know, he embraces the Conan movies. He he just, uh, you know, look, I just did a podcast uh, with my friends, uh, Colin and his and his uh, fiance. And we did uh, Jingle All the Way. And it's just sort of funny, like, <laughs> you know, to think like 87 was this and then like 96 or 97 was Jingle All the Way. It's like what a wide range of movies for a guy who is essentially just a Austrian bodybuilder. Right. Yeah. And then turned governor. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John McTiernan, McTiernan, um, initially kept Jesse Ventura out of any close-up shots with Arnold and predator because Ventura's immense size. Uh, he's six foot five and almost 300 pounds at the time. Um, the director didn't want Arnold looking small in comparison, which is evident during the fight scene in The Running Man when Ventura almost dwarfs Arnold. So uh, it's funny. Well, yeah, I think with Arnold, is he like five nine, five ten? Yeah, he's not very tall, obviously built as hell. But when you put him next to mm-hmm. a guy like uh, the body, who's, you know, six and a half feet tall, he's he, he's almost, uh, you know, almost looks like he's a foot taller than him. And yeah, it's just a dwarf. I'm trying to think of who I've seen. Maybe it was, uh, oh, it was a basketball player. Maybe uh, who was in the Bruce Jack. Lee one? No, it was in the Bruce Lee one. Uh, oh, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I think there's a photo of him standing. Death. Yeah, it, it, I think there's a picture of him standing next to Arnold or something. There's there's some pictures of like basketball players stuff staying next to him. And oh, uh, there's a there's a really famous picture from. Um, Conan the Destroyer, where he's uh, basically he's getting held up by both arms by Andre the Giant and uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Okay, that's the one I'm probably thinking of. And it's like makes him look human, which is weird for Arnold. Right. Um, It's hinted that Mick Fleetwood plays himself in the movie. In Running Man, (laughs) the resistance leader's name is Mick. 
He is British, and when Mick meets Richards to remove his explosive collar from around his neck, he says to him, you're one of the cops who locked up all my friends and burned my songs. So he could he's almost playing a like futuristic version of himself in a way. It's hard to argue. I mean, it's songwriter, you know, and it and it makes sense. Like we've talked about earlier with, you know, everybody almost playing themselves like, you know, pro wrestlers sort of playing almost pro wrestlers with obviously killing people is a little different, but uh, sort of playing up to their strengths and makes sense. Um, The footage of the attacking helicopters is actually from the 1976 uh, film King Kong. So the the 70s version of King Kong, they use the reused the footage of the attacking helicopters for this. Yeah, that I never knew. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. I started watching this, um, I think, on on some streaming service and standard definition, and it looked like it was like an 80s or 90s television show. So I found I, I rented mm. it on Amazon for like four bucks because I'm like, I'm just going to pay to watch it. And I, I can't stand standard definition anymore. I'm spoiled. Um, mm. and, and it was like a whole different movie. I started it back over and uh, it looked a lot better, I think. Uh, I read in the in the trivia, I didn't put it down on my list, but like Arnold, when he saw that uh, Paul Michael Glazer was directing, he was very outspoken against it because he was afraid it would look cheap and look like a movie and he didn't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, mm. And I mean, the guy worked with James Cameron and he worked, you know, for for Terminator. He It's like he's, he did a futuristic movie with a f- fantastic director. He's probably like absolutely. You know, at that point, he wasn't the uh, I don't know, he was on his way up to the top. I think Terminator 2 was like when he hit like this is this guy is the apex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, His prime. So, yeah, the total recall, you know, T2 days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even, uh, you know, I I think when he started doing like kindergarten cop and doing up twins and stuff that wasn't necessarily just action it was like oh he's a household name he's gonna he can do whatever he wants at this point but yeah at that point he probably wasn't at the level where he could be like get a get a director fired or or just refuse until they get someone else but uh i don't know you could it does feel a little sorry go ahead he had a little bit of i was just gonna say he had a little bit of stroke but i mean he wasn't like you know you know, he couldn't really tell people what to do, but right. And I think I really enjoy the movie. I almost like the like almost low quality or lower quality of this. It sort of adds like a grimy like you like I like it. You said earlier, like Escape from New York, where it feels like um, it's not as polished. Like, obviously, you know, Terminator 2 and those are, are huge summer epics. But like this has a, a sort of grindhouse feel it- to it. Well, yeah, it almost fits the tone and story of the film, the way it's shot, you know, does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. I'm just saying like, and it almost was like probably a happy accident where it was like, you know, <laughs> maybe his inex- right. his inexperience led to making it look like or feel like a exploitation film more than an actual, you know, big polished Arnold epic that we, we eventually got used to. Yeah. But of course, it feels like there's it's almost like um, before Christ and after, you know, it's like BC, whatever with Arnold. It's like before Terminator 2 and after Terminator 2. I think that seemed to sort Mm -hmm. of uh, change 
the game for him. It's like he I mean, of course, he he did some real shit after that, too. He did. You know, I don't think Twins is great. Jingle all the way sort of sucks. Uh, but he, he sort of got to choose pick and choose roles after that. And, uh, you know, it felt like everything before maybe Terminator 2. There there might be a different movie that sort of I, I'm forgetting. But like I, I go back and I watch Commando probably more than or Last Action Heroes. That and that was after. But yeah. like that is probably yeah, my, I think that one. my most watched Arnold movie. What would you say is your most watched Arnold movie? Most, most, uh, probably Total Recall. I'm a big Total Recall fan. And I was pretty late to that. I probably didn't see that until like 10 years ago, maybe. Which it is, I know 10 years is a long time, but I was, you know, in my 20s before I saw it. I I had seen the three boobed lady, I'd seen the stomach thing. Um, Arnold's mm-hmm. eyes popping out a lot of the memes and stuff from that but uh, I had never actually seen it until I was like well into adulthood um, me and my friends used to do this thing I don't know if you remember I think it was e-bombs world the website do you remember that at all v- vaguely I didn't I don't think I visited it much they had what they called soundboards and it was basically like you'd go to the website and it had a grid and you could click on these sounds that would make that sound. Um, and they had several Arnold ones and there was ones with like, you know, 30 clips on it. And what we would do at the time is before cell phones is we would either look in the phone book and find someone, or we would call the local porn shop and we would use the Arnold soundboards put on speakerphone with like the computer speakers. Right okay. Next to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a fun Friday night. And, <laughs> you, you would get some really like I, looking back, it was, it was just really mean because we'd call like old ladies and they'd be really confused as to why Arnold was like, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's, Stop it's, it. yeah. And, and even in this one, he even says, you know, the I'll be back line, which um, mm. I don't think was actually written into the script. But, you know, the, the director was like, we got to get that one line back in there so we can use it back yeah. in the trailers and we- stuff give him give him give him the trademark you know and yeah yeah but like it's just so funny because like i mentioned earlier hearing so many of the uh, the one-liners in this you know need a light or i think he says something like that and uh what happened to buzzsaw he had to split yeah that kind of stuff you know we we had that uh, you know he's dead tired and commando um and yeah exactly luckily for us he sort of i mean even terminator 2 had the you know uh dick wad and and all that kind of stuff obviously big lines but it's like just watching this after hearing those clips from prank calling people for a whole entire summer i'm like holy shit like you know 25 years later hello hello cutie pie yeah is that from this one yeah 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 that's what i thought like there was just like that one like i i probably clicked it a million times that summer uh <laughs> pranking the poor guy at the porn shop and now i'm like oh it's in running man i never never actually saw it in a movie um what was the what was one that rubber baby buggy bumpas is one that um we clicked a lot that's, um uh, that's um from last action hero yeah, know, yeah where he pulls the guy out of the cat yeah yeah um I, I I gotta ask. I mean, I haven't actually heard. Did you like the film? Did you yeah. like it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, if I if I didn't like it, I would have been um, 
sort of cursing my name. <laughs> no, no, I just probably would have started off with how much I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if this is going to be like you know on repeat. I definitely will watch it again. It's it's something that would be fun mm. to watch with a crowd in the theater or something. Uh, oh yeah, have you yeah. seen it in a the theater? No, no, I haven't. Um, basically, old VHS and DVD. I would. I wish I could get a, a Blu-ray for this, but I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if it ever came out. I again, I never thought to look, but um, I had this special edition two disc DVD. You know, from years back, I bought. You know, because I like I said, I grew up on this movie. I love it. Were you watching it on? You said you you guys had it on VHS. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got. I think yeah, I think I got the original Vestron release of this. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, I only have a few more bits of trivia here, but um, the Running Man game show seen in a film was based upon an early 1980s Japanese game show called Trans American Ultra Quiz, in which contestants <laughs> were tortured in various ways. <laughs> The prize, God. the prize went to whichever contestant could stand the pain and humiliation the longest. So very, um, oh God, now uh, fear factor. I, I, that's another thing ah, I'm thinking of. You yeah. know, Joe Rogan screaming in your face while you eat like mealworms or, you know, rat guts or whatever the fuck, you know, it was very, uh, that with a physical, I mean, they had, they had a little bit of that too. So, um, you know, sort of thinking 87, I think that show was probably mid late nineties to mid two thousands. So, mm. you know, they weren't too far off. Um, and then as always, there's, there's always interesting, um, recasting trivia on IMDB. And as I always say, who knows if how true this is, or if it's just someone making up shit, but, um, it makes sense. Dolph Lundgren and Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeve expressed interest in starring in the movie. And Patrick Swayze had also been considered, um, interesting picks i could see dolph doing it easily you know he's very oh yeah absolutely very similar to arnold and maybe in some ways a better actor mm, yeah i mean uh, i don't want to you know start you know any fights on the podcast i know you're a big arnold stan and i i love dolph oh, too but i look yeah I, either way i mean to be interesting um I, I guess I before you before you go on, this was actually uh, Erwin Van Litt, the guy who played Dynamo. This was his last movie. I think he died. The I don't I don't even know. You said it was released in November. Yeah, they pushed it back from June because it's supposed to come out the same like or a week after um, Predator. And they decided to push it back to avoid having too much Arnold in the theater at once. Oh, there's no such thing as that. I mean, I I just <laughs> want to find out. Um, yeah, I so saw if it was released in November. Uh, the, the guy, the actor who played Dynamo died September 23rd, 1987. So he never got to see it in the theater. So, yeah. So he never got to see his performance as uh Dynamo, which this, is kind of sad. This was Richard Dawson's last movie too. Um, and I guess I don't know any other movies has been. There. No, neither do I. But they said like this was his last, maybe his last screen appearance. I don't know how long he hosted on Could TV. Be. But um, I think I read uh, that when they hired him, he only agreed to do it if his character didn't curse because he wanted to keep that. It, which is funny because he's a despicable piece of shit in this movie. Um, but he's like, I just don't want to curse. It's like I think he, I think he called him a bastard though. You, it, know, you bastard. 
maybe that's not considered a curse. Oh, no. I mean, he no, was also no, he called uh, he called that custodian an asshole too. Oh, okay. At the beginning, I remember. Oh yeah, God, that was a, a really disheartening scene. Yeah, where he. Oh like, God, yeah, they they really establish him as a, like a real <laughs> rat bastard, like to begin with. I mean, like, man, what a dick. Yeah, you know, he's pretending that he's you know it's okay, sir. You know, you're doing a great job, and then you know, fire him basically. Yeah, Horrible. he gets into the elevator. He just goes, "If you know, if he's mopping floors tomorrow, you'll be mopping him for like the rest of the week." You know, and like, geez, okay, this is the kind of guy we're dealing with here. Yeah, a real turd. Uh, so yeah, this this is I I really enjoyed it. I I'm glad I finally check it off the list again. It's going to be one of those ones that um, when I post this episode. People are going to go, you haven't seen The Running Man? And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. I'm knocking all these movies off the list. Um, and I couldn't think of anybody better than you to have on. Here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So so what are you working on right now? Are you are you writing anything right now? Are you taking some um, time I'm, off? Um, like like usual. Um, I'm working. I'm working on something. I'm working on a feature, but um, normally, you know, writers have to kick kick themselves, you know, in the butt. You know, it's it's a matter of you know getting going. You know, because like basically, you rewrite as you write because you know, as as writers, you you have this doubt. You know, it's like, man, does that work? But there comes a point when when stuff feels like it starts to click. And the momentum gets going. But fortunately, I live with another writer who kicks me in the butt and tells me it's like, hey, you need to you need to get going. You need to get doing something. So um, the the gears are turning, but they're turning slower than I like them to be. But they are turning. Does that make sense? Yes. No, that's that's always good. I need to uh, I have some some wheels I need to get turned in my life. Uh, so it's good to hear that you're still writing you know and and we've met oh, yeah. th- through the snake alley festival film you and danielle you know when you wrote shorts that that came in as screenplays and uh you know and that led down the road to uh podcasting which you know absolutely yeah every all the all the cards fell into place i guess you know yeah yeah it's just if you're listening to this and somehow don't know andy is also a co-host on attack of the killer podcast um so we can we can of course plug that as i do almost every episode in some way uh because you know what it's my show and we can we can plug away so uh if you haven't somehow listened to attack the killer podcast uh go check that out too um go check out some of andy's work go find him on social media and bug him um (laughs) he's always posting fun videos uh and and you know, we, we, we share too many t-shirt links back and forth. He even wore his right. running man t-shirt for yes, this recording. Yes, I did. Even if yep. you can't see him, I might have to post a picture of him with a cat on his back. Uh, yes, that's Shuri. I hope Shuri wasn't on your back the entire episode, but you know, no, she was not. That's good. That's good. Uh, did you have any final thoughts on running man before we say goodbye? Um, other well, than go, I, re- I recommend everybody if you haven't seen it and you've made it an hour into this podcast, um, we spoiled everything for you, but still go watch it. It's it's crazy rewatchable. Um, now that I've found out, you know these these other facts about it. Um, I have a small foreign poster of the Running Man, which I w- really need to get um, framed 
because I like this movie so much. It was one of many movies that probably corrupted my childhood and, <laughs> you know, it didn't enable me to get the grades that I should have, but I'm still very, very grateful for it. And um, if what we just said didn't sell this film, uh, I don't I don't know how else to sell it to you. I, I still say you should watch it, though. Yeah. And, and like I said, I can't believe somehow it's still sitting out there. It's not being remade. So if you're listening, right. someone in Hollywood, um, hire Andy to do a new rewrite of The Running Man. A, a <laughs> Another I don't know what what dystopian future we can set it into now because our, our present is fr- pretty uh, sad. Oh, my but, gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can always make it sadder, I guess, or, you know, <laughs> I'd scare myself if I could make it much worse, but uh, anything, anything's possible, I guess. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on again, Andy. Oh, um, I loved it. Thank you for having me. I think we could, yeah, talk movies all day, every day. Um, oh yeah. And again, uh, you know, just, uh, thanks for, for coming on, check out attack of the killer podcast and, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye guys. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.